Joss, a lot of people in our probably age demographic, um, and people who are lis listeners of Influence probably have either bought a home recently or are thinking about it in the future. I know, I think we're all thinking about it. I mean, I feel like our parents tell you at age 22, like better buy a house soon or something like that. But it's increasingly difficult to buy a house these days and buy any form of property. And frankly, I have a lot of questions. Do you? People can't see, but I am nodding my head aggressively. My husband and I talk about buying a house every single day. Um, so this is also selfishly like just my chance to ask all the questions that I want. <laughs> I feel that way too. I'm just like, this is so great. I, because you know, part of that, that question asking is like, you don't really know where to go sometimes. Like, do, do you ask your questions to a real estate agent? Do you ask your, your questions to a mortgage broker? Do you ask them to someone else? Like, I don't even know where to start half the time. And also like, it, it's, it's also very different for families that have, you know, potentially parents or grandparents or, you know, wealth that they've come into to help them make that kind of down payment. Whereas other people may not have that kind of thing. Right. So I think we're all in very different situations situations and you know we all just want to be able to retire one day you know at the end of the day um so anyways let's get into our episode so our whole episode is going to be all about real estate and Jess uh, Jess wow Joss I'd love you to introduce our guest wow yeah, <laughs> I well, combined the two words together <laughs> sorry <Yeah. laughs> Joss and guess um, equals Jess yeah. Well, I am so excited to introduce our guest. So Samira is a second generation realtor, experienced real estate investor and developer and interior designer who has been featured in Apartment Therapy and Reader's Digest. Before becoming a realtor, she has worked as a project and marketing manager in the tech industry for almost 18 years. She's revitalized both single family and multi-investment properties for nearly 10 years. And this is also something really cool I learned so with every house sale, Samira donates to a lo local dog rescue and therapy dog organizations, which is so close to my heart. Um, she is also a Canadian living in LA, same as me. So I feel like we are kind of like soul sisters, even though we don't know each other, but we're going to get to know each other. Um, but Samira, it is so nice to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I really love sharing information, especially with a community of women, because I know how difficult it is. And I know that you don't know where to start. A um, little bit of background. My mom is a real estate broker um, in Canada. So I, after I moved to LA, it's a little bit different. So when I was working in the tech industry, I didn't know how to buy a house either. So I absolutely love helping first-time buyers. So Samira, our first question for you is, at what point should people start to actively consider buying a home instead of renting? I think it's something that you can always take a look at. And I, I think you should start saving money the second you start making money. Um, if you have an employer that has a 401k that matches, max that out because you can actually borrow against or use some of your 401k um, in order uh, to, for your down payment. So I, I, I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in, oh my God, I'm starting to make money and um, I could buy these shoes or I'm going out to dinner with my friends every night. But I, I think because most people think buying a house is so far off, I bought my house by myself um, before I got married. So, you know, that's a goal someone can have as well. And I think just stocking away as much as you can, um, you know, it grows, invest it, and then 
uh, take a look at like Redfin. Uh, it's much more accurate than Zillow. And take a look at what houses have sold for. Because a lot of the time things will have uh, sold for maybe a hundred or two hundred thousand over asking. So it's great to see the sold prices. And then maybe take a look at 5% of what those prices are. It would be great to have 20% down, but in reality, a lot of people buy at 10% down, 5% down. Those aren't going to be like the Instagram ready hot homes, but you're going to get a very nice house. I, I, I personally bought something that needed a little bit of work. I, I kind of got, um, I, I, I really got into all of those like design magazines and blogs and I followed Young House Love who bought their her first house at the time and were uh, tiling themselves and painting and landscaping and it just sounded so much fun. So that's, that's how I bought my first house. Also, the fact that you bought your first house as a single woman is just so inspiring to so many people because I know that there are so many people that don't think that's a possibility and that they have to have secondary or combined income with someone. So knowing that you can do that on your own is really empowering. Um, I know that the markets are very different. We have Canadian and American listeners, but for those seriously considering purchasing their first home, on average, what's a realistic amount that you should have before that's even realistic? <laughs> so once again, take, take a look at your local market because we are, uh, Joss, you and I are in, in LA. So we're taking, you know, depending on how far out of the city you go, uh, you could live in Pico Rivera for 650000 in a three bedroom. But if you want to be in, in the city, say in Mid Wilshire, if you're looking at condos, you're probably looking in the 700 range. If you're looking at single family homes, you're probably looking somewhere in the $1.2 million range. But there are options. If you, There's a lot of people working from home right now. Uh, COVID kind of changed everything. There's a lot of people that are looking a little further out where, where prices make a little bit more sense. So calculate 5 to 10% of those prices. So for example, on a $700,000 condo, you're looking at $70,000 down, you're looking at about 2% of the purchase price um, in closing costs, which no one told me about. So all of my fun kitchen renovation ideas went went off the table, because um, no one told me about that. So I always remind people. And then you might also have to prepay some property taxes. It, it really depends on what time of year that you uh, that you close. And I have a lot of information that explains that on my blog. And, but I would say, you know, 10 to 15% is, is always a good guideline. So around, I have a kind of a follow up question on that, because you mentioned like, if you can put 20% down, great. If but sometimes you have to put 10 or five and like, that's fine. And I, this might be a very stupid question, but I, I feel like I've always had in my head, you have to put 20 because you won't be able to get a mortgage for five or 10 or that like, no. you know, there's complications to that. And, and I guess my question to that is that does it make you a less desirable purchaser knowing that you're only going to put 5% down? Because again, that's what I think is real. So uh, you can purchase with 5% down. You can purchase with 10% down. Once again, if it's something where it's this beautiful Instagrammy house that is getting 35 offers, they are going to choose the person with the most down. And the reason is because the seller is trying to mitigate their risk of having some issues with the, with the appraisal. Because the bank will only give you as much money as they feel the house is worth. 
and uh, appraisal prices are kind of like, you know, four to six weeks behind the current market, um, especially in times like this where demand is going up. So you have to have a little bit of a, uh, money to kind of bridge the gap. But we're very creative with our clients where we can come up with ways where maybe you're not going to use your whole 401k, um, but we can show that you have that money in reserve so that, you, so that you could make it up in case there's any issues with the purchase. A lot of people, uh, you know, my parents said, make sure you have 20% down or you're going to be paying private mortgage insurance. Well, this is a case where making sure that your credit is always good, it helps you out. So yes, you will have private mortgage insurance, but talk to a great lender. I have really great ones that I love. And in that case, um, it might cost you a couple thousand, you know, more for the first couple of years until you reach that 20% equity. But especially if you purchase something where you're putting a lot of value in, I was able to refinance out of PMI my first year because I did put a lot of equity into the house. I even just painting and putting your cute furniture in there makes such a big difference from whatever, <laughs> whatever they were thinking when they put it on the market with like the curtains closed. So you couldn't see the natural light and they had dirty carpet, which you can take out and refinish the floors. So you have so many options. I, that is actually one of my favorite things about your Instagram page is how you highlight house flipping because I think, you know, when people are looking to buy a house, they just want the ready made house. They don't want to put in the work. They feel like it's going to be more expensive, which I know we're going to get to in a bit. Um, but jumping off of Jen's question, obviously that's a misconception because I thought that as well, that you needed to put 20% down. Are there any other misconceptions that you find when you talk to first home or first home buyers or like any mistakes that you see people make? Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely find a realtor that you feel comfortable with, whether it's someone that's recommended by your friends, um, it, or maybe it's someone you follow on Instagram, like me, um, make sure you feel comfortable with them. If they have an open house, go visit the open house. And, um, I, all of us realtors are happy to have a first meeting just to see if we vibe because I'm going to be your new best friend until you purchase that, until you close on that house. And I joke around that I never go away. I'm, I'm, I'm always here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I helped Abby buy her house. We, we were just there last week taking a look at the renovations and just making suggestions on, hey, what kind of credenza should I put in the hallway? So I, I this is a partner that you're going to be working with. Um, ask them what their track record is. Ask them how many of their buyers um, have gotten their first or second offers accepted. Ask kind of what... Uh, their tips and tricks are for getting offers accepted. Our track record is that we typically get our, our buyers first or second offer accepted. And part of that is because we spend a lot of time talking to our buyers, getting to know exactly what they want and setting their expectations with the market. So we're not going to go out and start looking at houses right, right away where we're going to ask you, what does your ideal situation look like? What are you doing on a weekday? What are you doing on a weekend? A lot of the time people tell us things and we can read between the lines because what they're telling us maybe doesn't really jibe with their budget and maybe we can suggest a parallel neighborhood that is in their price range and has the same things that they're looking for. So I would say okay. keep, keep an open mind. That, that's another tip that I have. 
That's interesting because, yeah, I bet so many people are like, I want it to be in this neighborhood. I can only have two bedrooms. I don't want any of these things. My yard must fit 50 people and everything like that because, um, I mean, obviously, when we're when we're looking for these things, we want something that checks all the boxes. But I can imagine yeah. there's always a level of compromise as well that, yes, that's the case. But if when you're getting into the market... You have to find, like, there has to be something you're compromising on because it's your first time in the market. Maybe in five or 10 years, you don't have to make as many exceptions is kind of what I'm thinking or taking away from what you're saying. Absolutely. So, so I always tell my clients to look at the four things. You're looking at price. You're looking at size. You're looking at condition. You're looking at neighborhood. If you have to compromise on price because your budget isn't that high, you're compromising on all of those other three. And if you don't want to compromise on one of those other three, you're going to have to come up with more money. And a lot of people are getting gifts from parents that it's not always possible with everyone. Or perhaps you're going farther out than you wanted to because you do want a three bedroom. Right. Right. So, yeah. So for, I actually have a question about the aspect of like renovations and all of that. So for those who think that it is more expensive or time consuming to get to purchase a home and then fix it up. What do you have to say to that? Because I know that you are a huge advocate for it. Absolutely. I would say you don't have to do everything right now. It, it, you know, it doesn't have to look like the perfect house for that. Hey, we did a thing Instagram post that you do after you buy a house. It doesn't have to be like that beautiful house that looks like the inside of anthropology right away. Understand that you're going to be here a long time and this is an investment. And as long as it's not falling down around you, you can do anything on a house. Uh, if you're not on a hillside and it's not sliding down, you can do anything you want on a house. And it, take it day by day, cut, come up with a budget, um, ask around for contractors. Um, you know, Home Depot even has tiling classes. So if you can't get what you want because you want something specific, then go for it and figure out how to do it yourself. I think you got to stay gritty. Um, and I think especially, you know, our generation of folks, we don't, we don't have the high salaries and low living costs that our grandparents did. So we're just going to have to compromise a lot more and figure things out. Do you, and I'm, again, I'm just thinking of this now because we, we had a lot of questions for you and you've already answered most of them. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just thinking, I'm like, I wonder, I bet there are so many people that probably come to you or are, are thinking of coming to you because they want to start this process, but it's scary, right? It's scary it to is. know that all that amount of money that you see in your, 401k, RRSP, whatever the equivalent is in that account is potentially going to be taken out and put somewhere and you want it to be worthwhile. Like, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I, I, I think I felt that way when I bought my car a few years ago. I was like, I'm spending a lot of money. And granted, that was 20k. And I'm like, this is nothing almost in comparison. But I guess my question for you is, what advice do, do you have to people who are nervous to start this process or nervous if they can even do it? I think the first thing is um, maybe asking one of your favorite realtors who their favorite lender is. Or, you know, e even if you just talk to your own bank. In Los Angeles, it's very difficult to get an offer accepted if you're working with one of the big, big banks because they just have terrible relationships because uh, they're very well known for just um, drawing out the process and making mistakes. But I think you're never going to be ready. 
It's always going to feel scary, much like any other big life change. So being prepared and understanding the numbers uh, is going to make you feel better. So taking a look at, um, make sure you have an emergency fund. So say you did lose your job, you can cover a few months of mortgage while you get on your feet. But talking to a lender really, really helps. And maybe, maybe you're not ready right now. Maybe you're ready in a year. Maybe you're ready in two years, especially if you're self-employed. You really have to talk to a lender because they might give you some tips and tricks on what to do on your next tax return. If you're taking all sorts of write-offs, that means that you're not showing a lot of income. So you may not be have the income uh, on paper to buy a house when in fact you do. So there might be some compromises that you have to make for a couple of years to prepare. So I would say um, talk to a lender who's really good and trustworthy. Uh, loop in your CPA and just make sure that you feel comfortable financially. Not everyone has to buy a house. It, it is a privilege that not everybody gets. I, I feel so incredibly fortunate that I am that I own my own home. And it is part of my retirement plan. So if you a lot of people don't want to touch their 401k and I remind them this is part of your retirement plan because it keeps your living costs the same for your lifetime. I, I bought my house 12 years ago. I I paid more than my rent was. It was about 600 a month more than my rent at the time was. But right now I could not even rent a studio apartment in Los Angeles for what my mortgage is. So I oh. think knowing that it's it's a long-term goal to stability and to building your personal and future family wealth. I think it just makes sense. When people are looking at buying their first home, should they look at it as this is where I'm going to be for the next 12 years? Or should it be a, this is my starter home. I'm only going to be here for five years and I'm going to use this as, you know, I guess, an investment to get that bigger home that is my dream home. Like what's the right way to approach that? Or does it just depend on the person? Depends. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. I, I think it is important to understand that the house doesn't have to stay looking like that. If you're purchasing a condo, there there are things that you can't control, such as the common facilities in the outside. On a house, you can add a lot more value yourself by painting the outside. I'm sure you've seen on my Instagram what what my house looked like before and after just dramatically different. I, m most people keep their mortgages for three to five years and they may be in their homes five to seven years. So I think that also highlights a point of, I have some people who come to me with a big bank approval that is a quarter point less than a lender who has better service. You are not keeping that loan for 30 years. You are not going to see the benefits of those savings. So use a lender that's going to help you get an offer accepted and that has better service. And it's the same thing with a house. It doesn't have to be your forever home. It doesn't have to be perfect. Everybody's going to have to compromise. If you even get 85% of what you're looking for on your list, it, you're, it, it's a score. It's just, there's no menu to choose from. I, I can't, you know... Sometimes my clients see something that's almost perfect and they say, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to wait until the perfect one comes on the market. So I really like this one, but I don't love that the backyard doesn't have grass. It's just all concrete. So I'm just going to wait until that perfect one comes up. You know what? Never going to come up. A ask me how much it costs to demo some concrete and put in grass. It may be way less than you think it is. Interesting. 
I like that you said that, you know, you don't have to own property because I think it's something that it, like I said at the beginning of the episode, people tell you when you're like 22, when are you saving for that house or whatever it is? But in a lot of places, like I live in Toronto, it feels almost impossible to, to, you know, put, put that money towards something that's actually worthwhile versus renting. Um, because you also get, you know, especially you get, as you're mentioning, you know, additional fees, you get the, you know, the, the utility bills and, and everything combined. And I find, I guess my question for you is, I mean, do you get people that come to you looking to buy and then realizing, you know what, the better, the better choice right now is to rent because of just how the market is? I do advise some people to wait. If someone's budget doesn't meet their expectations and it's currently a hot market, I spoke to some folks in the spring where what they would get for their money is not what they're looking for. And in that case, I told them, listen, hold off, rent in a place you'd rather be, or come back to the market when it's a little quieter, such as around Thanksgiving or Christmas. Those are always great times to to purchase because people leave town in LA. If you do not buy, I would say make sure you are investing that extra money so that maybe one day you do purchase something. Also, maybe you're not purchasing a single family home. Maybe you're purchasing a duplex or triplex and you have other units that help you pay your rent. Uh, that was my intent when I purchased. I just couldn't find anything. So I ended up buying a single family home. But for a lot of people, maybe their first place is a fourplex. And there are situations where five units are over. The lender is actually looking at the income of the property versus your own income. So you do need a little bit more for that. You, you need about 25% down for that. But there's different situations. So I would say if you're not investing in real estate, make sure you that money's not going nowhere. Make sure you are actually investing it. It, it is part, a home is part of your retirement fund. Um, there's just appreciation going to happen. LA real estate goes up, up and down all the time, but the overall trajectory is up. So you cannot overpay for something. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could just sit here and talk to you and ask a million questions for the next five hours. Um, but unfortunately, our podcast is coming to an end. So we always end our episodes with sharing one thing that influences us, a person, place, or thing. Um, Jen, can you go first? Sure. My, I guess, I, have, I always have so many things that are influencing me, but I would say the biggest one uh, this week is I am currently deep into a show. And Samira, I'll tell you, I don't usually say shows because my, because I, I go through them either like over this course of like two months or I don't finish them. But I'm currently watching Clickbait, as everyone told me to. And I am just, I'm deep into the whole of it. And it's, it's really like, I'm, I was even thinking about today. I was like, okay, I'm going to finish my work, going to do this. And then I'm probably going to watch two episodes of clickbait. So <laughs> to say it's all consuming, um, is a lot. But I also want to say this conversation is, is very much influencing me as well. This is a real thing for me. Like, I, obviously I've had this on my mind for quite a while, but, I, and I want to thank you, Samira, for actually answering a lot of my questions and, in answers that I didn't actually think were were going to be your answers, because I, like I said at the beginning, there's just so many questions you have about this stuff that I, uh, I've begun to ask. But as a single person that would be purchasing on my own, 
it terrifies me till there's no end. So anyways, I want to thank you, but I'll throw it over to Joss to tell me what's influencing you. Well, I just want to echo what you were saying, Jen, because I also am very inspired by this conversation. Um, buying a home is a top priority and it it's just something I didn't think was possible, especially in Los Angeles. And I, I'm going to have to probably book some time with you, Samira, to talk and see if this is like something we can do. But so yeah, I'm very, very inspired, especially the five, 10%, less than 20% down is news to me. So that's, um, that's really eye opening. But in terms of what, what's influencing me, I told this to Jen actually privately, but I haven't said it on the podcast, but 9-11 was a few days ago and I spent the weekend watching this documentary on Hulu. I'm not sure where it is in Canada, but it's called 9-11 One Day in America. And it was just so, you know, it's been 20 years. Obviously, we all know the impact of 9-11, but that has been on my mind um, for the past few days. So I would say that is what's currently influencing me. Samira, what about you? For me, it's kind of, uh, there are a lot of Instagram uh, profiles that really inspire me because I feel like a home is not just a place you live. It's a place that you find inspiration. Um, it's a place that, uh, you know, makes you feel comfortable. It's a place that makes you feel good. So that's why I love fixing up a place because I feel like it can just change your whole state of mind. So I really love Australian designers, um, like an interior design. Uh, I love three birds renovation as one of my favorites. They have like a renovation school that has is a course that kind of takes you through what you need in order to renovate your own home. And I always feel like Australian designers out California, California, it's just like the amount of beautiful light and it just feels so cozy, but bright. So it's so inspirational, um, especially as I sit here surrounded with so many accoutrements uh, during COVID. My daughter was at home going to school. My husband was at home working. So um, I just want to kind of like fix up this place and declutter. Love that. I'm going to have to follow some Australian designers. <laughs> uh, um, I, beautiful. I feel like she's not the first person to say that, by the way. Like, what is going on in Australia? we got to figure this out because maybe yeah. because they're, they're, they're in lockdown now that, like, they're all doing it now that, like, the way we were, like, a few months ago because, maybe. unfortunately, yeah. their, their vaccines aren't where, uh, where ours are. But yeah. anyways. But, but speaking of Instagram, I do want to let all our listeners know to follow Samira. Um, we'll put her... Instagram handle in our description because her Instagram account, I'm telling you, she posts every day. She <laughs> does not just post listings. She gives you like insights, tips, like very similar to what she was saying on here. Um, she shows like before and after photos of the homes that she sells, which is really interesting because I know we're all talking about it, but unless you see it, some people need to visually see like, oh, this is possible. And Samira shares all of that. And she's very transparent about everything. So um, please follow her. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat You're with so us. Awesome. And thank you so much for having me. You know, my goal is to really democratize the home buying process. It should not just be for the elite people who have a ton of money. I, I think a lot of people can do it and they don't realize it. And they might be scared of talking to a realtor, which I don't know why, because I, I Feel like I'm super approachable and fun. So follow me on Instagram at the Art of Houses. Um, you'll see uh, great dog photos, um, my daughter, uh, LA sights and scenes, and also before and after photos because I'm so inspired and I'm always surprised when we paint something. I tell people that 
Um, the first day after we paint one of my listings uh, on the outside, I always drive past it because I don't recognize it and I have to double back. And it's just always so wonderful. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and very, very cool that you do that. Um, and thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. It was so, so great to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Influence, a Margo Community Podcast. A special shout out to our team behind Influence. So Joss, our host, Yolanda, our assistant producer, Keisha, our designer, and myself, the executive producer. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you.